it's Peter. He's sexy. Did he just say he was going to scrap the carbon tax? He's progressive. Wait, he wants an election before the end of the year? His name's not him. Have they even had a leadership convention yet? Are they just going to run on the exact same platform? He's progressive. How does that even make any sense? It doesn't. Was he born crazy? Or, you know, maybe it's just McCabe-Aline. What is going on with Peter McKay? In the week and a half since I created that little ditty, the six times, six times, six times sexiest MP in the House of Commons has dug himself a hole. And barring the entrance of another red Tory, has probably handed the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada to Aaron Toole. There was a time when I was excited that he may enter the Conservative leadership race. There was lots to be excited about. The return of the last progressive Conservative. The first Maritimer to be Prime Minister since 1920. Yes that 1920, a century ago. He could be the third Nova Scotian Prime Minister in the history of Canada, as well as the third Atlantic Canadian Prime Minister. Let's let that sink in for a second too. No Prime Minister of Canada has hailed from a maritime province in more than a century. That number is something we have in common with Alberta, who has also elected three Prime Ministers, albeit a little bit more recently. Unlike Atlantic Canada, however, Alberta is joined by one from Manitoba and three from Saskatchewan as a group matching Ontario's seven, but a bit short of the ten from Quebec. British Columbia has had two. Even the Northwest Territories technically had a Prime Minister. Sir Wilfrid Laurier represented Saskatchewan at a time when it was a provisional district of the Northwest Territories. That seems a bit gross, doesn't it? three Prime Ministers from Atlantic Canada over the entire history of Confederation. None in a century. It makes the complaints of Joe Howe seem prophetic. He was passionately anti-Confederation at the beginning of his career, complaining that joining Canada would leave us broke, overtaxed, and without control of our resources. I'm sure glad that didn't happen. That's a story for another day, though. For now, let's talk about Peter. Before following his father Elmer into politics in 1997, Peter graduated at Acadia University in the Annapolis Valley and then studied law at Dalhousie. He joined the Nova Scotia Bar Association in 1991 and became a Crown Attorney in 1993 for the Central Region of Nova Scotia. This experience as a prosecutor is why he became a politician. He did not feel that the courts adequately considered the impacts of crime on victims. He served in several positions over his time in the Progressive Conservative Party. In his first term in office, McKay served as Justice Critic and House Leader. He was a member of the Board of Internal Economy and the Standing Committee on Justice and Human Rights. He also acted as an associate member of the Standing Committees on Canadian Heritage, Finance, and the Subcommittee on the Study of Sport. He was a busy guy. He shook a lot of hands and he met a lot of important people. He was one of only 12 progressive conservatives in the House following the federal election of 2000, far behind 66 from the Canadian Alliance and the 172 of Jean Chrétien's Liberals. Peter became the leader of the Conservative Party at their leadership convention in May of 2003, but not without drama. 
when his popularity appeared to peak at 45%, he cut a deal with third-place candidate David Orchard to seal his leadership bid. It was eventually revealed that the Orchard deal had comprised of promises to review the PC policies on the NAFTA agreement, work to rebuild the national status of the Progressive Conservative Party, and that there would be no merger or joint candidates with the Kennedy Alliance. He had managed to hold things together for a couple months, but things deteriorated quickly. Under attack from within the party for the secretive nature of the Orchard deal, uh, the placement of Orchard loyalists into key party roles, and the feeling that they were trying to turn the party into the Prairie Cooperative Party. From outside the party, Stephen Harper suggested that the progressive conservatives had hit rock bottom and were now beholden to a Prairie Socialist. Jason Kenney accused Peter of making a deal with the devil to win his leadership. The writing was on the wall, and by October, the deal was done. 90% of the members of the Conservative Party voted in favor of merging with the Canadian Alliance. The new party was to be called the Conservative Party of Canada, and Peter McKay became the deputy leader, a position he held until his resignation in 2015. Over his time in the Conservative Party of Canada, Peter served as the Minister of Foreign Affairs, the Minister for the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency, Minister of National Defense, and Minister of Justice. A long and illustrious career which ended in 2015 when he decided not to run in that year's federal election. Following that decision, Peter joined a law firm as a partner, moved to Toronto, and lived a quiet life with his wife of eight years and their three children. That's a quiet life right up until Andrew Scheer lost the election in 2019. And that's where things got interesting. Throughout the election, McKay appeared as a guest on many of the 24-hour news programs, offering his insight into the race. Following the election, he characterized Andrew Scheer's performance as, and I quote, failing to score on an empty net, and that his personal positions on social issues, I quote, hung around his neck like a stinking albatross. This was on the heels of other conservative pundits slamming Scheer's decisions throughout the campaign. Anyone who would like to relive this can refer to the excellent article at mcleans.ca titled The Takedown of Andrew Scheer, and I'll put that link in the description on our Facebook page. All of this negativity fueled talk of McKay's inevitable return to the party, which he confirmed in January of this year. As star candidates like Rona Ambrose, Pierre Polyev, Michael Chong, and Lisa Raitt continued to decline to participate in the race, it began to look more and more like Peter had this in the bag. That's when I started getting campaign emails outlining his proposed platform, and I got a little bumped. My dreams of a progressive candidate started to drop away. In February, he admitted he parroted the party line that we are not the problem, so we don't need carbon levies. In a leadership email, he, can, he insisted the carbon tax should be suspended to lower gas prices. And this is a big deal to me personally, it's an election issue to me, it's a vote issue. If you don't think a carbon tax can change behavior, you may as well take taxes off booze and smokes too. We don't though, because we recognize the social costs of alcohol consumption and smoking, and we recognize that they do work to curb people's use of them. There are costs to pollution as well, and the only way these behaviors will change is to cost people out of them. Side note, I filled up my car today for 64 cents. Nova Scotia's cap-and-trade system still made its penny, and the prices dropped 70 cents during this whole pandemic. Your move, Pete. The second thing that popped for me was his inferred support for relaxed gun laws. I based this on an article showing photos of him with a pro-AR-15 
I base this on photos of him with pro AR-15 advocates at a meet and greet where he donned their t-shirt, but before you think that maybe they slipped one past him, their logo is a maple leaf halved with an AR-15. It is not discreet. Bob Zimmer, the CPC member for Prince George Peace River, who infamously introduced legislation to relax restrictions on the AR-15, has formally endorsed McKay after talking with him about his stance on gun laws. I'm not anti-gun, my friends think I am, but like truthfully, I just think that we have this kind of nailed on our front. Um, we don't have the kind of gun problems that we, they have in other countries. I don't think that, um, that we need to change. I think I'm a status quo guy on this. Uh, tightening the rules is not going to cost my vote for a party. It's low on the list of things that I'm looking for, though. Um, however, relaxing them is a hard no. So any party or candidate that is talking about or releasing or relaxing the laws around gun control is never going to get my vote. Thirdly, and this is an interesting one, I start to get emails from another candidate slagging him. Like, really slagging him calling him names and questioning his, um, his, his fitness, quite frankly, to be leader. Um, I would rack that normally up to party politics, but this seemed a little bit different and it was followed by an awful lot of punditry on, uh, on news programs, sort of questioning why McKay wants to push when all the other candidates have said um, that the race should be suspended. Uh, the complaint from the member was around the leadership race itself in the face of the challenges we are all facing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Peter McKay started ramping up that democracy cannot wait messaging right after that, insisting the leadership vote go ahead like nothing is happening. Uh, what? It took a couple days, but it appears right now that the party did decide to pump the brakes in a weird way. They've stopped allowing fundraising and distributing the funds donated to the candidates, but apparently they haven't set a stop on the vote. Um, Peter McKay apparently went on TV the last couple nights, twice in one night defending the decision, um, and, and it looks really bad for him, quite frankly. It looks like it's rigged. Um, this is a complaint we heard from Maxime Bernier before he left the party. It's a complaint we heard around Peter when he won the leadership of the Progressive Conservatives in 2003. Um, this was already a really sketchy leadership race when the party made the financial barrier to entry the highest ever of any party in Canada. And I really kind of agreed with it a little bit at the time. I thought it was to keep from hitting the dozen or so candidates they had in the last one, and all the mudslinging and the egg on people's faces that for the candidates that were running from the fringes. So I didn't, you know, with with a minority government and the possibility of an election coming soon, sort of only letting the really serious contenders into the race did make a lot of sense to me. However, the way that looks now, these are the kind of complaints that conservatives hate at the grassroots level. These are the, the kind of suspicious things and, and frustrations that at the grassroots level lead to the reform parties and the wild rose parties and the bloc quebecois splitting off out of the conservative movement into their own things they typically fold back in on themselves eventually but I'm, it, it's hard not to wonder if mckay could win the helm of the party and then basically be in control over it as it implodes just like he did with the progressive conservatives um, that's my thoughts on that right now
That's all for now. Thanks for giving me a listen. I did find the audio on that episode to be a little tinny when I was adding the background music. I apologize for that. I'm still trying to figure some of this stuff out. Information for this episode was gleaned from Wikipedia, CBC News, CTV, and as mentioned, mclean's.ca. I recorded the McCabe-Lean bit a couple weeks ago before the world turned on its head. Like many people out there, I've been trying to adjust to this new normal. The Peter McKay story really started to ramp up in the last 48 hours, so I decided to rush things a little bit to finish up and publish. I am going to have a lot more time on my hands now, so I hope to ramp things up going forward. I will try to keep my Nova Scotia angle on everything I talk about. I really do hope you enjoyed the episode. Please hit like and subscribe if you haven't already. Citations and links can be found on our Facebook page, Nova Scotia Politicast. And if you're interested in checking those out yourself, you can find them there. If you, like me, are itching for a political discussion outside your normal circle of friends, join our Facebook group, NS Politicast, or at me on Twitter, also as NS Politicast. Until next time, I'm Jason, and this has been NS Politicast. <laughs>